This is out of bounds. This is out of bounds. It's your weird, wacky, wild Monday sports extravaganza here on the Know Your News Network. This is out of bounds. I'm John Alba. That's the returning Mia O'Brien from a fresh off the plane from Houston, I should say. Truly, truly. I mean, I guess I've been off of it now for about 18 hours, but yes, it feels like it feels like I was in Houston for about seven days, John. It actually um, was a grand total of, eh, I guess you could say, 36 hours. What did you think of it? I enjoyed it, um, unfortunately, because I flew in uh, at 5.30 in the morning. Um, yeah, that's a story for another time. Uh, didn't really get to explore downtown as much as I would have liked to. I did get to go out, though, a little bit with some buddies who live there. Got to see the suburbs because I have some other friends that just bought a house out there. Cool little spot. Um, but the irony was not lost on me, John Alba, that in the same city that is renowned for a baseball cheating scandal, uh, I had workers at NRG Stadium saying that the Jags rigged the game and that there was cheating involved. And I just, I, I couldn't help but just, mm. hmm, the turntables. Seems oh, to be in the, the water there. Interesting. Yeah, I know. Well, why Why always the constant turn to somebody has to be cheating? Well, wait for it. Carlos Beltran. I don't want to get in trouble here. Anyway, welcome to Out of Bounds, everyone. We hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I'm sure you did not shy away from eating, Mia. I have no doubt about that in my No, mind. that's part of why, uh, as we get ready for our opening toast. Let me uh, guess, another cleanse. N- well, no, it, it's just a, it's a Coca-Cola. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I was going to put some bourbon in it, but I'm refraining. Um, it wasn't even the alcohol that did me in, John. I think it was the turkey. So what's it called? What's like nitrate or like turco? What, what's it called that's in it? Nitrate? The chemical that makes you sleepy. The melatonin? No, there's like something in the turkey that makes you sleepy. Someone in our comments, oh, someone listening has okay, got to know. News to so me. Please comment. Please leave a super chat because we love super chats, especially. Um, that's how the network makes the moolah. Um, but, um, but no, whatever it is, I woke up Friday. And mind you, like I ate a good amount. Don't get me wrong, but nothing out of the ordinary. And I legit had vertigo. And I was like, something is not right here. Like I'm like feeling all loopy. And, huh. and after a little bit of a mid-afternoon siesta, I felt a little bit better. So uh, that's all right. I did. I, you know, I, I partook in a couple beers at a couple great breweries when I was in Houston. But uh, but yeah, no, I we're, we're going to stick to one of my half-drank Cokes from previous Jags games that I like to bring home, and then I have like eight of them that are half-drank. Well, I smoked a turkey this year, and it was the best freaking decision so I ever made. So we smoked one, and we roasted one. So I had a little bit of both. I mean, come on. Look at this bird. I'm pulling it up. This is the prettiest freaking thing you're ever going to see. Look at this. Come on now. Yeah. Come on now. That is pretty. Come on now. Of course it is. You got me wondering, should I be asking for the grill my parents want to buy for Christmas, or should I be getting a smoker? You want the smoker. And that's what everyone keeps telling me. You want the smoker. Grills you could You want that smoke. You want the smoker is the game changer. Okay? And we're trying to change the game here. Out of bounds. Can you still like doing hamburgers and hot dogs? That's where you want to go. Leave us a super chat. What'd you say? Hamburgers and hot dogs. Can you still... Do them in the I mean, I wouldn't smoke a hot dog, but you can. I've smoked burgers for sure, and they're awesome. Okay. Yeah, the smoker, it's going to take longer, but it's so worth it. I, okay. I can't, I can't stress it. I mean, you're going to want a grill too. You get a grill, but you don't, you don't got to go crazy on a grill. You could, why not both? You could buy, you could spend a small amount of money on and get a quality grill. The smoker, that's where it's at. I'm that's all about it. I'm all about it. So much so that I want something smoky for our toast. So I got my smoked maple here. Of course. Uh, what you got your Coke. Um, I'm going to give some ASMR. There it is. Um, here is to the final trudge of 2023. We're in, we're in the home stretch here. We are we got, in the home stretch. A month left of this biz notch. Let's do it. Here we go. Mm. Still just as caffeinated a couple weeks later. Still. Just as maple Mmm. That is tasty. Never have an issue taking a shot of that. Ooh. Okay, Mia. Who will the Carolina Panthers take a shot on next? Yeah, more firings. Frank Reich, he is out. Carolina Panthers fired him today as their head coach as the team sits at 1-10 on the season. By the way, they're not going to have the number one overall pick because they traded away to the Chicago Bears. 
Reich becomes the first NFL coach ever to be fired in back-to-back seasons. He was let go by the Colts last year, you may recall. That's mind-blowing, by the way, that he is the first to be let go in back-to-back seasons. Does this disaster that's going on in Carolina lay with him, or did he not even get a fair shot here? So there's a couple layers to it. Um, Let's begin with, since you brought up the back-to-back firings, um, he was let go last year uh, by the Indianapolis Colts, by one of our favorite reoccurring characters on this program, the one, the only Jim Irsay. Um, So let's begin with that. Chemically unstable. Then we pivot to David Tepper, who, of course, my father, a businessman in New Jersey, loves David Tepper because he's a great New Jersey businessman from his roots. Um, David Tepper was spotted leaving the locker room yesterday after yet another Panthers loss, uh, this time to the Tennessee Titans. And uh, what's the meme or the gif? I forget what movie it's from or TV show where he just goes, and you know the F word. Um, That was apparently David Tepper walking out of the locker room. So uh, clearly having fired now coaches in back-to-back seasons um, and some of the other misfortunes, including the fact that the Panthers are, I believe it's 20 games below 500 since he bought the team. Mind you, he bought the team after an 11 and five season. Perhaps he may be a little another controversial ownership group. Yeah. Perhaps that's another poor Frank Reich may just be, you know, just it's systemic and he put it this way, man, their own line sucks. They drafted the wrong quarterback. He had no weapons. Mm, Did they draft the wrong quarterback? I mean, here's my thing with Bryce. So here's my thing with Bryce. So the offensive line has absolutely regressed. And that is perhaps one of the biggest faults that you really can't blame Frank Reich. You have to blame the regime at large and the Matt Rule regime as well, because yes, you can blame coaching this season for the regression, but they spent premium capital. They invested a first round pick in Nikki Aquanu. They invested a third round pick in Bradley Bozeman. The list goes on. We're talking day one and day two guys along that offensive line. And yes, they have regressed this year, but they were regressing even before this. And so um, maybe this was more of a pitfall situation than Frank Reich realized he, he signed up for. I also attribute the fact that they have Adam Thielen or the ghost of running around out there as a number one wide receiver alongside the 2020 Jaguars uh, because LaVisca Chenault, not going to get it done. And DJ Chark is always hurt. And you're like expecting guys that couldn't separate at their previous spots to somehow be able to take the top off for a quarterback who can barely see over the offensive line. But as his time at Alabama proved, if you have elite speed on the outside, if he is supported by a strong run game, he can have success in the game. He's been successful, as he noted, in every other level of football. Um, Is his height a factor? Sure. But he was a magician at Alabama at the highest level of college football. So I don't think we can just completely write off Bryce Young. If anything, maybe David Tepper in his weird way thinks he's saving Bryce Young. I mean, maybe he does, but I think it it is a much bigger macro problem, even with head coaches where, and look, they stink. They're bad. They're not going to get good this season. This is a lost season for the Panthers. They did themselves in. They're not going to be able to get help out of it because of this trade. But are the leashes too short? On some of these head coaches, because mm-hmm. like I, to me, this is such an unfair firing. It, it really is. I understand that it has been a dismal season. It has. There've also been a few games this year they've come close to winning and and just weren't able to get it done. At the end of the day, I think the idea of firing a coach in their first season is heavily misguided because of how much of a system league the NFL is. Things take time to get into place. It doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes you strike iron and all of a sudden things are gelling. Look at the Giants last year with Brian Dayball. But more often than not, that is not the case. I feel like Frank Reich got done in here, and it's something that the rest of the NFL should really think about. Urban Meyer, here, I'll make it. Oh, you took the words out of my mouth, Urban Meyer got more time than Frank Reich did. But Urban Meyer says if they had given him just a little bit more time, they would have gotten that thing turned. See, the difference is that was clearly a a justified firing. There there were personnel disputes, chemistry issues all across the board. The the head coach wasn't showing up to work. Right. So that's justifiable. Whereas this, I just feel, I feel like this is trying to mask for several other issues going on in that organization right now. A couple of people in the comments are noting that there's reports that Frank Reich wanted CJ Stroud and the ownership group wanted Bryce Young. I cannot confirm or deny any of that. 
Um, I did just watch CJ Stroud in person yesterday. I will be the first to tell you Bryce was the number one quarterback on my board just because I looked at college. I looked at the big games. I, I looked at the magician that he is. And I've stood next to Bryce Young and interviewed him. So I understand. I'm five foot two. I understand the concerns about his height. Um, I just was never that balled over by CJ Stroud. And what he is doing in Houston is very impressive. And sure, hindsight's 2020, and you can blame it all on that decision. But also, if we go back to the 2021 season, John, and I don't think we're going to touch on this guy as a topic tonight, so I'm going to bring him up now. 2021 season, you go back to November, right before Urban Meyer was fired, and of those five quarterbacks that were taken in the first round, Mac Jones was the only one that looked like a competent quarterback in the National Football League. So to basically write off Bryce Young and say that's the reason that Frank Reich has been fired after 11 games. No, is, I don't, is, I don't think is, it's, it's just that. not intelligent. I don't think it correlates quite that simply. I think it's a little more complicated than that. But again, I stand by it. I think firing a first-year head coach strictly for underperformance, which all indicators are, that's what this is, I think it's misguided. Right, I think it's lazy. It speaks to ownership. And it yeah. thinks it's – we're, we are going to talk about Texas A&M later, folks. Don't you worry. Um, it speaks to that. It speaks to the daddy, I want it now mentality right. of if I can't have exactly what I want right now, I'm just going to throw money at whatever I think will fix the problem. And that is where some ownership groups are. Then you look at a situation like Jacksonville where, uh, for better or worse, uh, through a decade of mediocrity, Shad Khan stuck by the likes of uh, Mike Malarkey, Gus Bradley, and Doug Marone. Gus Bradley and Doug Marone got four years plus. Frank Wright got 11 games. And let's not forget his tenure in Indianapolis in which he signed up to coach Andrew Luck and was told a month and a half in, just kidding, he's retiring. Here's a carousel of quarterbacks for the next three and a half years. Um, and so I feel like he's been dealt a bad hand time in and time out. Um, I think what's interesting for me, John, not to get too in the weeds here, um, to your point about why this firing is occurring on November 27th, I think what's interesting, excuse me, there's the Coke, um, is that the report is that Jim Caldwell, the senior offensive assistant, was a big reason and a big proponent of why the move not only to fire Reich, but to fire assistant head coach and OC Deuce Staley and to fire quarterbacks coach Josh, Josh McCown occurred. And so way, that's where talk it's, about it's like, fascinating. Talk about like blast from the past names, right? Like all those guys just... Well, let's, uh, we're talking we about Josh McCown, by the way, the same guy who at one point was considered for the head coach of the Houston Texans. Just for what it's worth. And all he had ever done was but, coach a high school team. Okay, but, so here's yes. the thing. So you mentioned Jim Caldwell. Like, if you're taking Jim Caldwell at his word, why didn't you just hire him as head coach in Correct. the first place? Correct. That's what I'm saying. And so, like, it's as if David Tepper was trying to create a mutiny. He didn't like what he saw. He tried to find some allies. And I don't know. Like, he's, he Caldwell didn't make Jim Caldwell the interim experience. head coach. He was, good, he was a good head coach in the NFL, Jim Caldwell. Yeah. Tons of teams have interviewed him over the last four or five years, but he's been waiting for the right fit. And when that coaching roster or coaching staff first was announced, people like applauded them. They're like, oh, that's the perfect situation for a young quarterback to go into and be molded and coached up. Um, what we didn't account for was the lack of resources on the field. And that is why I believe Bryce Young is struggling. And that is why the Panthers are one in 10. Thankfully, the Panthers aren't the only team with quarterback struggles. Oh, baby. Tim Boyle. Yes, we talk about the New York football Jets or Giants each week. We're going to talk about both tonight. But it is truly, John, the gift that keeps on giving. The Jets bench Zach Wilson. They don't just bench him. They make him their third-string quarterback, the emergency quarterback. And they go with Tim Boyle. He, of a losing record in college, having thrown more interceptions and touchdowns. But he is a friend of Aaron Rodgers, so all is well. Um, he proceeds to throw a 99-yard Hail Mary pick six just as halftime, as the second quarter clock expires and routes away 30 13 loss to the Dolphins in the first Black Friday game in NFL history. John, is this franchise cursed or is this just chalking up a lost season hoping for better next year? <sighs> I love this because now working with SMY, which, hey, let's give you a shout out. Like, you have to deal with this on a daily basis. So yeah. I get to marvel from afar. Yeah. Let me tell you. The amount of brain cells that I've killed in my brain simply off of having to discuss the New York Jets and New York Giants almost every single night that I'm on television and saying the same things over and over and over and over 
and over again. It is so disheartening. It is so grueling. Yeah, you know what? I'm not a superstitious guy, but they might be cursed. This might you be are a, a little stitious, though. Right. This they they might be a cursed franchise. I cannot get over how this team consistently finds ways to match every highlight with a low light. Every single time. This Hail Mary, if you saw this, it was truly the most New York Jets thing you're ever going to see. There's something about Thanksgiving weekend football for Jets fans that just is brutal. The butt fumbled 12 years ago, 13 years ago, whatever that was. This, it's just unfair. And I feel really, really bad for Jets fans because I want to sit here and tell you there's hope. I want to sit here and tell you that. But I really don't believe there is. Even with Aaron Rodgers assumingly coming back next year. Yeah, let's begin with that. Do you think he's going to start practicing next I, week? Or yeah. he's going to be in the game in three weeks? Yeah, or... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because everything conventional tells you there's no way that should be happening. But Aaron Rodgers routinely visits BillyWitchDoctor.com and is able to come up with these ways to try to get out there on the football field. It's, it is just so mind blowing that this is even something we're still talking about. The jets just need to pack it in right now. We're in a situation, Mia, where the jets very well may have a worse draft pick than the giants. And think about how we've been talking about the giants on this show for the past couple months here. And we're now facing that reality. So for the jets to risk all of that for no reason makes no sense to me. So let me ask you this, because at this juncture, Robert Sala says he's not going to change the play caller. He can't really do that much to change the offense. He doesn't believe his job is on the line. That would suggest that Woody Johnson and this Jets ownership group has just said, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yeah, got no, they're they're just going to get a clean slate next year and they're going to get one more shot at it. Right. So so what are we doing for the next six weeks? Just riding out the string? I mean, with Tim Boyle being the starting quarterback, yeah. Like, if you were actually trying... Do you trying, start Trevor Simeon next week? That's what I'm saying. If you were actually trying, Trevor Simeon would be your, your quarterback. Because there's no doubt that Trevor Simeon, for as streaky of a career as he's had, he's still a better starting option than Tim Boyle is. For so you. you think they're tanking? I mean, I don't think they're going to get Marv. Like, I don't think they're going to be that bad and end up with the well, third they're, overall Well, they're what? They're four and seven right now? Let me pull up Tankathon. They're four and seven. The problem is there's such a disparity this year in the NFL, Mia, mm -hmm. between the really bad and the really good. There's not really many middle ground teams. You're either good this year or you absolutely stink. No, there was like a weird mix, though, in the middle. The Jets are very much among the you absolutely stink teams. Well, but so here, here's the thing. So... The, let's go through the, the team. So the Panthers, who we already talked about, they're 1-10. The Arizona Cardinals, who everyone assumed was tanking, 2-10. The New England Patriots, we'll get to them at some point, 2-9. And, and the Chicago Bears are 3-8. From there, there's 14 teams that have four, five, or six wins. And mind you, you also have to add in the 5-6 and six Atlanta Falcons, the 6-5 and five Indianapolis Colts, Vikings, and Seahawks, who would also be making the playoffs if the season ended today. So I think there's like this weird middle ground. Like, I don't think the Jets have a snowball chance of making the playoffs, and I don't think they're going to win another game. But they're not like in this range to either get an elite quarterback and try to get a haul for picks or to take a quarterback and say, hey, you're going to sit behind Aaron Rodgers. We're going to say goodbye to Zach No, they're Wilson. not taking a quarterback. Right. So what are you doing? Like going to take Joe Ald at number eight, I guess, no, at I mean, Notre look, Dame if you're the Jets, there's two things you need. You need – you, you need – Offensive line help, like no questions asked. Right. That is, and they should go offensive line in the first round. That's absolutely right. And the go. second, and the third, and, and the yeah, fourth, maybe, because maybe you're going to have forty year old Aaron and, Rodgers. And you need on a wide leg. receiver. You need you need a number two. They don't Alan have that. Lazard, forty four million dollars, healthy scratch, baby. Yeah, I mean that's that's the state of the Jets, right? So are they cursed? Sure. Is a lot of this self inflicted? Yes. And I hope for their fans that this really is just a blip. You chalk it up, and next year things go better because you've got a fantastic defense. 
I have no confidence that that will be the case. You're wasting the prime years of the Quinn and Williams and the Sauce Gardeners of the world. That's yeah, my takeaway. Absolutely. And it's, it's malpractice for those guys. And having covered the 2018 Jaguars, I cannot wait for one of them to start clamoring for a trade because you now know look, it's coming. If Aaron Rodgers. Like, that's the thing. They're all, oh, it's fine because next year Aaron will be back. What if they start four and four next year? I I, I know. I mean, it was plausible that they could have started three and three with Aaron Rodgers. This well, year. Robert Sala said that was always the goal, so they were right. happy when they were three and three this right. year. Right now, hypothetically speaking, let's say that they consult Aaron Rodgers on the draft, and they say, "Hey, is there a quarterback you think could be our quarterback of the future?" And he puts on his front office hat and is like, "I see it all in this person. You should spend a second round pick on him. Maybe they'll do it." I don't know. They'll, they'll they'll do whatever he says, i.e. Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, yeah. and wait for it, Tim Boyle, all yep. proxies to Aaron Rodgers, and thus they were signed by the New York Jets. Now staying in the swamps of Jersey. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know you've been oh. excited to talk about this because so, we talked about it last week, but you weren't here. So, yeah. So okay. Giants general yeah. manager Joe Shane. Oh, Mia, yeah, I'll hit He has some one. comments. Yeah. Us, uh, Go for it. Oh, no, you, yeah, you hit us up with this I got one. My you. bad. I got you. Ready? So Joe Shane said today, and he took a lot of he took a lot of accountability. I, I will give him that. He said today that the expectation is that Daniel Jones will be back as starting quarterback next year when he's healthy for the New York Giants. All's Tommy DeVito, of course, steals the headlines with another win this weekend against the Patriots. This is one of those Jeremy Lin style stories. You don't see it coming. And he captures everyone's imagination. You got the fantastic touchdown celebration. There's this quarrel going on between Brian Dayball and Wink Marndale, the defensive coordinator that is just seemingly sitting underneath all this, yet we're still talking about DeVito. So it is a fair question to ask with the idea that the Giants are probably playing themselves out of a top pick in the draft. Does DeVito fit the Giants' future more than Jones, Mia? So as of this writing, and part of it is because they have not had a bye week yet, the Giants do have a um, higher pick in the NFL draft yes. ahead of the New York Jets. They're currently slated to, to select That's because of the tiebreaker. Correct. But they are no longer, to your point, in the running with the two-win and one-win teams for the Caleb Williams-Drake-May sweepstakes, um, which, again, is unfortunate because mm, probably going to want to take one of them because even if Danny Dimes comes back next year, are you really going to stick with a guy who has gotten hurt in, correct me if I'm wrong, every season in which he has played, at least missing one game for his entire career? And yes, you gave him a lot of money in the offseason, but clearly you need to have some sort of safety net option or some sort of bridge or future, especially if you're Joe Shane or Brian Dayball and you're also trying to think about your own job security. Um, and so, yes, I, I think it's very much a Jeremy Lin, Minshew Mania, Everybody's happy in the moment, but is it the best thing long-term for the organization? Teams will never say they actually are going to tank. That's just the reality of it. And I was covering a team that lost 15 games in a row. Um, but at the same time, when you sold off Leonard Williams at the trade deadline, and you, you, the fact that you are starting Tommy DeVito as your quarterback, you didn't go out and sign Joe Flacco or Nick Foles, and we're going to get to this in a second. You know, it's a feel-good story, and he's from Jersey. He was a very heralded high school prospect. It's a nice little fun story. Um, but, yeah, I think in the long run, it's not in the best interest of the New York Giants. Um, for me, I love it only because it means that the proverbial torch of media darling has been passed from C.J. Stroud to Tommy DeVito, which if you had told someone that, seven, eight months ago, I'm not sure they would have believed you because they would have been like, who is Tommy DeVito? Um, his family doing the the Italian with the, the fingers and the emoji and they were, Fox Sports was at their tailgate and they're all eating chicken cutlets and he's walking in on the blue carpet and he's doing it. It's amazing. I mean, as, as an Italian New Jerseyan, I'm really not sure how I should feel. I kind of love it just because it's a bit, but also I'm like, Man, like the NFL will just latch on to anything. I get that sports. We love human interest. Um, he's a fun story. But you tell me, because I didn't watch the Giants game yesterday, uh, and I'm pretty proud that I didn't because uh, I, I hear you would have gouged your eyes out watching it. Like, does he look competent? 
Like has I mean, he, he looked, does he the, has he progressed? In last week's game, he looked fantastic. Okay. I mean, he was he he won rookie of the week, I believe, mm-hmm. last week. Mm-hmm. He was he was fantastic. I, I think he was like 18 of 26 for three scores. He, he looked great. He looked good in the pocket, and that was even with getting sacked nine times. He still was able to pull that out and was efficient. Again, he's playing behind a historically bad offensive line. So, well, I know, but I saw all the graphics that Andrew Thomas though has uh, has reemerged after his injury. So, at least you know they're they are trying to build the Giants up while simultaneously no, being like, should they be tanking? I listen because now there's a question. Now the Giants have their bye week. Tyrod Taylor should be healthy by the time they get back after the bye. Do you run back Tyrod Taylor out there to try to give you more chances at winning, or do you just ride Devito and? That's see what I, I think, you got. I think the answer is Devito. I really do, and I think Tyrod Taylor is a more consistent and a better option. But long term speaking, who's got a better shot at being your number two? I think it's Devito right now. So the Giants are four and eight, and like I said, the scary reality is they're only two games back of a wild card spot. I think is Minnesota that, wins tonight over is the Bears. That the case is it yes. really? Yes, the Seahawks and the Minnesota Vikings are six and five, John. That's what I was trying to tell you earlier. It's really not that far-fetched to think they could back their way into this. Thing. Don't get me excited here. Don't don't threaten me with the with the idea of seeing Tommy DeVito in the postseason. The chicken cutlets. It's funny because like he the national darling aspect hasn't really hit here because I think everybody in Jacksonville is like just upset about all this like CJ Stroud love. Um and I'm like Expand your horizons. Everywhere no, else, they're a, talking about Tommy. This is a bit. Like, it, that's what this is. It's a bit. But it's... He actually was a pretty good starting quarterback at Illinois. Not at Syracuse, but at Illinois. No, but it's, it's fun, and it's it's entertaining. And Man, when Tom Brady sat there and said two weeks ago how boring the NFL is right now and how bad it is, let's embrace these things. Let's embrace a great story like this. Let's... Let's make this kid some money. He's still living in his parents' house. Doesn't know how to do his laundry. He lives in Bergen County. I think his parents have money. But yes, continue. Uh, sure, but let's go get him that apartment in Hoboken, you know? <laughs> like, like, let's... Dad, he's not going to pay for it? No, he, but he's, he's going to be able to afford it now. He's, I hope so. He's making the minimum. Well, now he's on the rookie contract. So I'm I'm excited for him. I'm excited for him. And I hope it works out for him. I, I think they should ride him. I think they should. Yeah, I do too. I mean, because what's the worst that can happen? I mean, here's like it's tough because it's like in theory by starting him, you're like, okay, at least like we'll see what we have long term in this kid. But also, if we lose, we get a better draft position. But if you end up in that weird middle ground where you're picking 14th or 15th and you'd miss the playoffs, then you're like, well, it's kind of mired in mediocrity. Speaking of mediocrity. Okay. Mark Stoops is not mediocre, but no, yes. not him. I know. <laughs> that's Texas. the funny part here. Okay. So, um, Mark Stoops had the wildest holiday weekend of any of us. The Kentucky football head coach seemed all but certain to be taking the Texas A&M job until a social media firestorm. Sound familiar, Rutgers and Tennessee fans? From Aggies fans, perhaps got to upper management's head. Within hours, Mark Stoops, I almost said Big Bob, Mark Stoops withdraws from the position, and then they pivot to former Texas A&M defensive coordinator and now former Duke head coach, Mike Elko. John, do fans have too much power in the social media age? (sighs) This was, this was so sad. Like, like this, this was sad because I, I, I agree with you entirely. I think Stoops is a pretty good football. He's a good coach to win at Kentucky. Like I understand you don't have to be winning 12 games a year because basketball is always going to be king, but like, it's not easy to win in the sec at a program. That's a basketball school. Right. And I think that just, just as it's not easy for Elko to win at Duke in the way that he has, and he deserves credit for that too. But Stoops comes with the perception of being at a school that is less than because of everything you just said. And in, in upper tier SEC country, especially a school like A&M, A&M is still living in the days where they had Johnny football. Which was they, their only peak, by the way. But right. They, 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 they have this revisionist history that they're Alabama. They Exactly. They think that they're in that Bama class, which they are not right now. They're not. Not to say they can't they get there. They have money, right but that's about it. Right. 
You're going to buy yourself a football program. This undoubtedly reeked of listening to fan feedback because they got scared and they, they want to be loved and, and beloved in the SEC and not have to reap the consequences. So instead they make a hire who comes from a school with even less football reputability historically than Kentucky has in Duke, but a coach that is pretty well respected. I do think that with the current age of social media somehow, and and I know you'll relate to this, the hashtag fans with sources come through and they, they get a say, they get a say. The message board geniuses. I think fans having a say is a good thing, but I think when it, comes to the point where you're determining the trajectory of a program or a franchise. I think that's a problem. Well, especially as an athletic director or a hiring manager, like it's one thing to take the temperature of the room, but you can't allow the angry mob to sway your decision. It was especially your that decision. Person, that candidate hasn't done anything wrong. This isn't like the Shiano thing where they dug stuff up where you could yeah, but they dug like, up right, fake kind of controversial. Yeah, but they dug up fake stuff. No, but I'm, but I'm saying they're trying to dig something up. With Stoops, it was just like, ah, eh, we don't like him as our yeah, as a coaching you're option. not wrong. And, and like, that, you're not that, wrong. That just seems so bizarre to me. There's an inherent difference between Greg Schiano and Mark Stoops. The difference is that they just said, meh, he's mid. We don't want that, that him. That was literally it. They're like, he doesn't Instead excite me. Let's the get guy someone else. Coaching Duke football. We couldn't take this guy from a basketball school. We got to take this guy from a basketball school. Um, look, like, I don't get it. Like, I just don't. I think Mark Stoops is a good coach. Um, I had a couple people float my way the theory that maybe Mark Stoops uh, withdrew his name because he knows an opening at his alma mater may be coming in the near to not so distant future. Um, That would be fascinating. I think that the truth of the matter is, is that it's in the best interest of both parties because Mark Stoops makes a living on eight to 10 wins a year. And he is in a in, in a part of the country where eight to ten wins on the football gridiron each year is absolutely acceptable. If anything, it's a success. And if he goes to A and M, eight wins is mediocre. They won't accept it, despite the fact that that is who they are. And so, good for him. I'm glad he doesn't have to deal with that headache because they think that they're Alabama, they think they're Georgia in College Station, and they're not. So why would you like? Risk it for the biscuit with that headache. At least Mike Elko knows the hornet's nest he's walking into, and he's been there before. He did step into his first press appearance and said, hey, y'all, which a little coded, if you ask me. Well, listen, Brian Kelly has opened the floodgates for the masses, John. Uh, Also, can we talk about Mike Elko leaving Texas for North Carolina and putting on a few LBs? Um, I, I don't know. We think it's barbecue. We think it's grits. Like I mean, I you were just it. in North Carolina. You tell me. I had a delicious pulled pork sandwich in North Carolina. Let me tell you that. It was, I get it. Is. Like, like I get it. I understand. And pulled pork is not even typically my go-to. But I was like, all right. I mean, when in, when in North Carolina, you got to do it. And I was not upset about it. I assure you of that. So I understand. I'm not gonna not gonna get on him about that. There's no shame in going. And it's on Thanksgiving here. weeks. We've all we have all put on a couple. We've LBs. all been there. It's fine. I feel bad for Mark Stoops here because this would have been a great opportunity for him. And I, I do think that he got undone by the mob. And I do think sometimes, especially college football fans, just it, it, it's so temperamental, and they definitely get carried away. They're called fans for a reason because they're fanatical. They are indeed fanatical, and the fans here are upset, and we know they're SEC fans as well. Oregon quarterback Bo Nix, now the betting odds favorite to win the Heisman. This guy, if you're saying John, isn't he like 40? No, he's not 40, but he's been around college football for a while. He's close. He's almost 24. (laughs) And and he's finally getting his shot here to really shine. Uh, SEC fans not happy about it. How dare this dude from the West Coast, or playing on the West Coast, I should say, uh, jump our beloved SEC favorites for the Heisman. That is our award. That is our institution. So is it time for SEC fans to accept that the world may not revolve around them, Mia? Yes. I've been clamoring for this for almost five years now. You are probably not the best football conference in America right now. That distinction probably deserves to be called or be used by the Conference of Champions, the Pac-12. 
in its final year of iteration. Yeah, they're like going out with their fingers stuck in the air and just... They're going out with an absolute bang, John. They have two teams that are ranked in the top six. If not for the fact that Utah had to turn to a pig farmer to be their quarterback, they're a top 10 defense. They would have been up there as well. Oregon State clearly proved its mettle until it was dismantled by their rivals. Wait for it, Bo Nix and the Ducks. And you go right down the line. If not for Caleb Williams and USC's lack of defense, um, they're probably in the conversation. Dion was the toast of the town for the first month of the season. I know, obviously, it has gone very much in the opposite direction over the yeah. last two months. Um, but no, I mean, name me outside of Georgia and Alabama and the disappointment that is the rest of LSU not named Jaden Daniels. Name me another team in the SEC that you think could compete with Oregon and Washington right now. I, I got it. A&M? Yeah, certainly not Auburn, who, yes, I know hung with Alabama, but it's iron. It's the Iron Bowl. It's weird. They lost to New Mexico State last week. It ain't Florida. I can tell you that. <laughs> certainly ain't Florida. Uh, probably not Kentucky. They've got Louisville's number, and that's about it. It's not Vanderbilt. It's not Vanderbilt. Uh, it's not South Carolina, as much as I love Shane Beamer. I love Sam Pittman too. It ain't it ain't Arkansas. No, it's just so bizarre. Maybe man, Ole Miss. This is a Maybe down Ole year. Miss and Lane. That's it. That's it. You have four teams that could compete. Well, they just get bit out of shape because this is a down year for them, and they're not used to having down years. Down years are not really a thing that comes about very much in the SEC. In the SEC, we talk about how that's you know that's the minor leagues for the NFL. Now it's not the case this year, and that's fine. It's a one year blip. The SEC will be back. It'll happen probably very quickly. And since I see it in the comments, you know what they all de- they all default to. Well, they don't play defense in the Pac-12. Doesn't matter if they're going to outscore you at the pace yeah. that Bo Nix has been outscoring people. And guess what? Oregon's defense isn't bad because, oh, wait, the turntables. Dan Lanning, the head coach of Oregon, was the D.C. at Georgia once upon a time. Who would have thunk? And Patrick Mahomes' dad played Major League Baseball, but ah! I, <laughs> he played in the Big Twelve. They're a story for another time. Well, and but look, look at next year. You know, the Big Twelve is only going to get stronger too. Uh-huh. These all these conferences are getting better. Hell, I even forgot Arizona. Thank you for reminding me and the job that Jed Fish did out there. Well, and take nothing away even from the Big Ten, which has two of the best teams in the country. It's just the nature of the beast. and Iowa and Iowa. So sometimes tectonic plates are going to shift it's going to happen and i think that sec fans need to roll with the punches and guess what since you have such a voice as we talked about just a few minutes ago tell your teams to recruit a little better right and maybe you'll have heisman candidates of your own or develop because yes Mm -hmm. bo nix started in the sec but clearly Kenny Dillingham, who is now the head coach at Arizona State, but was the OC that recruited Bo Nix to Oregon, and the staff that remained in Eugene have developed him. No offense to Gus Malzahn, but, like, this was not the Bo Nix we saw getting trotted out in Jerry World at 18 years old. And it's not the Bo Nix that we saw break his ankle and end his Auburn career in 2021 either. And so it's a testament to development. It's a testament to what happens when you put explosive playmakers around him, a strong offensive line. And here we are. He's been sacked nine times all year. And yes, you can go on and on about the defenses. Don't they don't play defense in the past. Washington and Oregon are they're in the conversation in top 20, top 30 defenses. Utah is a top 10 defense. They dismantled them in Salt Lake. I don't know what else to tell you. I that, that's why listen, I, I I need Oregon to win. On Saturday, as much as I do enjoy Michael Penix in Washington, too, I need them to win. Then Bo Nix wins the Heisman, and then they have to go thump, whether it's Michigan or Texas or whoever, in the playoff. And then they can meet Georgia, and you can all have your big referendum on whether or not, you know, the father can beat the son. But I need it because I'm just over it. I'm over the Wolves of Pac-12. Well, you talk about development, Mia. Let's shift focus to the hardwood where a team that has preached development is now seeing the benefits. The process? Oh, I'm just kidding. It's the real process that's actually working in the big O. The Orlando Magic have been on fire of late, knocking off the Nuggets and Celtics last week alone and sitting at second in the Eastern Conference standings. 
John, are the magic now the blueprint for how to win without having mega stars? Dude, look at Franz Wagner. This guy, eighth overall pick. Was kind of the supplemental pick in that draft. Remember, they they picked Jalen Suggs, and they thought he was going to be the guy. Franz Wagner has been amazing, averaging almost twenty points per game. I freaking love this style of basketball that we're seeing from the Orlando Magic so much, and it is also second time I'm using this reference. It is a giant double bird to the rest of the NBA because it is saying yes, you do need high talent rate, but you play hard nosed defense and you get everyone contributing, you can win in this league. And how refreshing would it be to see a team like that win an NBA championship without the superstar? You know, Make it happen where all of a sudden it becomes viable that you don't need the disgruntled superstar in order to make a deep playoff run and to win an NBA championship. I think that's so healthy for the sport. It's so good for it. Paolo is an emerging star. He's going to be there. There's no questions asked about that in my mind. Paolo Bancaro is the real deal. But because of how hard-nosed they play defensively, because of how well-rounded this team is becoming in terms of its development coming to fruition, a guy like Jalen Suggs doesn't have to be the player that they drafted him to be, and he can contribute in another gritty, hard-nosed style way. This is the template. This is the blueprint for how to be successful. And my worry, Mia, is that, there could come along a disgruntled superstar soon and they're going to be so tempted that, well, we have these pieces. Let's make it happen. Let's go trade for one. And I say, don't stick with it. Ride this out. See what you get out of it. It's different than what the Denver Nuggets did, but it's not all too unfamiliar. Um, I would say Jamal Murray, obviously, was a lottery pick. He was a guy at Kentucky that everybody knew. Yeah, but um, the Nuggets have the best player in the league. And he was drafted during a Taco Bell commercial. Well, I understand that. but he's And still- that's what I was going to get at. I think that people questioned some of the draft picks that the Orlando Magic made over the better part of the last five years. They questioned the decision to trade for Markel Fultz, the fact that Paolo Bancaro was selected over Chet Holmgren. And here we are. And so similar to the Denver Nuggets, the scouting department – had something going right in Orlando over the past five years. It clearly did in Denver. It delivered them a world championship. And so that's the only other team that I can look at right now and say, okay, it's similar but different because people questioned some of these decisions that the front office made, and they said, ha-ha, we're going to do it a different way, and we were right. I hope very badly that this team can keep this going. I think it has a chance, and I mean this sincerely, I think it has a chance to change the NBA. I think it has a shot at showing the league that one size does not fit all in terms of building something from infrastructure standpoint where you have to rely solely on one player because this team is still hurt. They lost Wendell Carter, who was supposed to be their big man this year, and they're still finding ways to get it done defensively. They were patient with Jonathan Isaac, and he's still proving to be one of the better defensive players in the NBA when he's on the court. When he's on the court. Patience is, in fact, a virtue. And so many times it's easy to get disgruntled with that. The whole trust the process thing, I I get it. It is nauseating at times. But I really hope they don't blow this up because I know there will come a time, Mia, where someone like a Joel Embiid is going to become disgruntled in Philadelphia. And the Magic are going to have all these pieces. And they're going to say, well, what if we just gave them Franz Wagner and Jalen Suggs because the return we'd get would be even better. Stick with it. Stay the path. Prove to the rest of the league that you were a step ahead of everyone else, especially in an Eastern conference that is a lot better this year. It's a lot better than it's been historically. The pain is part of the path. The pain is part of the path. And uh, Steve Clifford, former head coach of the Magic, said it this week in his team's loss, the Hornets' loss against the Magic. He said that this year's Orlando team reminds him a lot of the Byron Scott Nets with Jason Kidd and Kenyon Marn and Kerry Kittles and that intense defensive attitude while also being able to score and hit the big shot when you need to and being willing to take it to teams up the gut, in the key. I love this style of basketball, and I hope it sticks around for a long time to come. I concur because I think Florida, no offense to the Miami Heat, because they're kind of their own little state down there. 
Florida needs another basketball team, and the Atlanta Hawks aren't getting it done right now. So I'm here for it. I'd love Plus, to they got those the '90s magic, magic jerseys again, which are awesome. So I actually have one, if you can believe it, Shaq. Okay. Yeah, my parents' house. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah. We got one more here. This I probably don't fit in it one, anymore. This yeah, is a depressing look. story here. So an article by Futurism reports Sports Illustrated's parent company, the Arena Group, has been using AI-generated images to create fake writer profiles in order to get away with publishing AI-generated content. I mean, we're talking about an outlet that used to be an institution in sports journalism and journalism in general. So what do we make of the the fall of one of these once great institutions and what has become and, and what is the importance, Mia, of having quality sports journalism out there? So here's the thing, like Sports Illustrated had already sold off a lot of its assets in favor of a more hyper-local model where they have these mini Sports Illustrateds in different markets. We have one in Jacksonville, one of my good buddies, former UCF Knight, John Shipley runs it. Um, And the thing is, is like in theory, it actually is kind of smart. Because you're like, oh, these are boots on the ground and like we can just source them. We'll still have national writers, but like let's say Albert Breer needs somebody like boots on the ground in New Orleans. And he also needs somebody who's boots on the ground in Jacksonville because they're playing each other. I don't know. You can reach out to those entities. And that part about it at first on the superficial level, I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Um, Then you find out that those writers are being paid peanuts and it's all about the clicks and it's all about how many videos and how many articles you're turning out and this, that, and the other. And it's like, oh, okay, well, that's also the age of digital print media. So whatever. Um, Then you couple it with this now with the AI and the fact that they have also bled out so many national writers. I think they're only down to a dozen or so in the, you know, in terms of the national columnists and it's unfortunate, but also, I mean, I'll tell you this on a personal level, John, like, I had one of our sales guys say to me, hey, so we were approached from an AI marketing agency that they can just make all of our like videos for clients, like just the demo videos, like not the fun stuff you guys do. And I was like, I could have my videographer make that in five minutes if you need him to do it. And the response was, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, we could just have AI do it. And I was like, but why? I I don't, the, the AI obsession is very like, I don't know. And then you've it's read. It's not I'm even sure. good. It's no, not and I'm sure good, you've but... read like those Gannett articles that are by AI yeah, and they're but... like the high school sports and like they're, they're terrible. And and that's why we need to get control of this because let me tell you something. There is so much value in quality sports journalism. I make sure every single day to read at least 10 articles of sports journalism a day. I've been doing that. That's been my routine for a decade plus. I try to read 10 articles a day, whether they're short, whether they're long, whatever they may be, because I, I learn every single day from quality sports journalism and sports writing. And the idea that something we love so much, we love the storytelling of sports. Even if you're a sports fan on the surface level, you still get invested in the games because we love the storytelling elements that are presented in front of us. For the idea that that can be streamlined and turned into disposable content with no depth to it whatsoever, and done so in an extremely unethical way, as this report indicates, is devastating. It's devastating. And I hope that it doesn't discourage people who are talented to pursue careers in media because we need people like that. But it's so, so upsetting as a lifelong consumer of this to see what was an institution. And they were the best. Sports Illustrated at one time was the best of the best. To see them fall to this level is very upsetting. Can I give you a funny anecdote? So sure. yesterday, having uh, breakfast in the press box, and uh, one of the Jags veteran staffers asks one of our senior writers in Jacksonville, "Hey, so like when you need when you're you want to raise, who do you go to?" And the columnist just like looked at him and started laughing, and he goes, "I go ask a blank wall." Yeah. And he looked at him and he's like, "No, like for real, like who would you go to?" And he's like, "Literally a blank wall. No one's gonna want to hear it." And that's the state of journalism. That we yeah. currently live in. So. Yeah. Man, that's... Depressing. That's a downer to end on. We get to end on something a little well, bit more happy than that. That's why we got Beast that. of the Week here, Mia. So who yeah. did or what was the most beastly thing that you got in the sports world this week? So my Beast of the Week, we're going off the grid here, John. Did you watch any college football on Saturday? A little bit. Did you watch the snow game? 
No, I did not. The snow game between Kansas State and Iowa State saw a new star in the Big 12 emerge in Abu Sama, the true freshman running back out of Southeast Polk High School in the Des Moines area. Had had some limited carries throughout his first season in Ames, a peaking with an eight-carry, 110-yard performance at BYU earlier this month. Earlier this week, Matt Campbell basically went to the running back room and said, he's my guy. He's going to be the number one guy next year. If you're not okay with it, you can transfer. Two guys have already gone into the portal since that announcement. Oh, nice balloons. Um, and uh, in meanwhile, the Cyclones head out to uh, good old little Manhattan. And our boy, the one, the only, my, Mr. Sama, the third, runs for a cool 276 yards and three touchdowns on 16 carries in a blizzard, John. Hmm. Casual, 18 years old. So, Abu, that my is, guy. That's pretty beastly. I'm going with the New England Patriots. Ooh, Come I knew we'd now. get to them at some point. You know, specifically Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, I have a lot of respect for Bill. I got to cover him for a few years. I There's no doubting everything he has accomplished, right? No doubting it. But there is just something somewhat delicious about seeing everything that is happening with this Patriots franchise right now to where he manufactured a quarterback controversy between two extremely bad quarterbacks and wouldn't tell the media who was going to start against the giants, a game that was useless for both teams. Wouldn't no, tell it wasn't. Him. It was for positioning for Cade, uh, which McCall it for uh, what's his name well, at a, so here's Duke, my point, a Drake may and uh, Caleb Williams. So here's my point. So they draw that out. Then this game is a pillow fight and they have a, just terrible football game where it comes down on the line 10-7 game chad ryland the kicker 35 yard attempt a, a gimme he misses it wide left to tie the game giants go on to win keep in mind chad of course his name is chad is the kicker that bill belichick himself pushed to draft in the fourth round of the nfl draft what goes around comes around and while I appreciate Bill Belichick's contributions to the sport, for all the absolute chaos he has inflicted, including the unnecessary chaos this past week, there's just something very befitting going on here. And alas, I say, congrats. You are the beast of the week. Did you see his comments this morning on Boston Radio? What did he say? He was asked if he's plotting his escape plot, and he just started laughing. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's trade for Mike Vrabel. That, that's what the plan is, if I had to guess. Well, we got to escape here on Out of Bounds. It's been a fun one. We'll be back with you next week for episode 52 of Out of Bounds on the Know Your News Network. We will see you next time. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should, too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.